Welcome to the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast, where we feature physicians who are redefining the practice of medicine and changing the experience we have as doctors in medicine. We all know the system is broken, but we've decided not to complain about it anymore. We're out to fix it. I'm Dr. Una, your host. I'm a pediatrician and serial entrepreneur, but my passion is helping physicians create the freedom to live life and practice medicine on their terms. This is not just a podcast, it's a movement, a movement of change, and I invite you to be a part of it. Let's jump right in. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. And you are not ready for the guest that I have today, the amazing Dr. Dawn Sears. And she is also known as Gut Girl MD. Now, you're going to love this, okay? Her goal, and the whole reason why we're having this conversation, her goal is to stop the hemorrhaging of women physicians from healthcare. And she does this through executive coaching, consulting, writing, researching, running women in medicine programs, and hosting over 400 women physicians at leadership events. Okay, she added this to her bio, okay? But I'm just going to read it. She says she even has a YouTube channel with Dr. Una's assistance. So... <laughs> Dr. Dawn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Una. It is so much fun to be here with you. I've been a student under you at Entree MD for a year, and it, I have learned so much. You were the beginning of my journey, and so it just makes sense that I'm here to celebrate where we are now a year later. So thank you so much. A year late. This is like an anniversary episode. Who knows, huh? It literally is. I came across my notes from one year ago, and I literally enroll MD and get your LLC this week. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So I did both of those before Christmas break last year. So I oh, wow. hysterical that here we are t- uh, re- recording this now one year later. So a lot can happen in one year, ladies and gentlemen and doctors of the world. You can do so much in one year. So just put on your seatbelt, be ready for a wild ride. Well, look at that. See, I told you guys you're not ready. Look, look at all the gems. I just said, welcome to the show. That's all. And this is what we have. But that, you know, I'm glad that you have that to measure. Like it's beautiful to stop and see this is the difference. If you just start saying yes, this is the difference you can experience in a year. You know what I mean? Like it's so crazy. I am so happy for you. This is mind blowing. Okay. So first of all, my first question is, you know, as physicians, we have a lane and that lane is go to high school, get good grades and get into pre-med and get good grades and go to medical school and get good grades and then get into a residency. And if you're up to it, do a fellowship and then work a job and stay in your lane, do what you're told and then retire. And so you were doing all the things and then you got somewhere and you're like, no, I am now on a mission to stop the hemorrhaging of women physicians. Like how, how did you get there? What triggered that? Well, when you look around when you're driving in your lane and you see a bunch of car wrecks all around you and you see the road rage around you and you go, oh my gosh, (laughs) maybe I need to get out of this lane. And maybe I need to do something bigger. Maybe I need to do something different. Maybe I need to not just be staying in the lane praying I'm not going to be in a wreck. Maybe I need to get control and help influence those around me. Maybe I need to direct some traffic. Maybe I need to build a bigger, stronger car. Maybe I need to do something different. So we all have different ways we can reinvent this. And some are even like you lifting up and flying on top of the lane with a rocket ship. 
So <laughs> the lanes do not need to stay where you are. And if you like the lane, absolutely stay there. But let's try to improve the lane for everybody. Let's try, try to bumper car into each other and let's try to improve it. And for me, it was so obvious that I kind of was tapped out. I was done. I was exactly where I wanted to be, where I hope to be, teaching, educating, being a, a leader, publishing manuscripts, but I wanted something more. And I wanted to leave my mark on the healthcare in a different way. So it was so obvious that stopping the hemorrhaging of women physicians was my calling. Anybody can remove a polyp. Anybody can cure hep C. I mean, that, you can teach anybody how to do that, but not everybody can stand up and influence others to make better decisions and to tap the brakes, think about policy, all of those things. And not everybody can encourage each other to say, no, you don't have to be harassed anymore. No, you don't have to put up with that anymore. Yes, you can ask for what you need and what's the worst that'll happen and giving other women physicians permission to do what they already want to do. So that's been so much fun. Yeah, that sounds so powerful. And, you know, it's amazing that now over the years, there are recurring themes that keep showing up. I wanted more. I wanted more. And I used to think there was something wrong with me because I'm like, okay, you're a pediatrician. You have this amazing job. You're making six figures. You don't do call. You're home every weekend. Like, what is the problem? Like, what more do you want? Right. And we are, and, and that doesn't mean everybody's leaving clinical medicine. Or, I mean, like to start with, you're stopping the hemorrhage. So that the idea is not everybody's leaving, but we all have to be true to the thing that's calling us because that thing of, I want more, you can't get rid of it. Like if you're listening and you've had that, you know, it's been there. It's not, you can try and silence it, but it's always there. So he said, I wanted more. I wanted more. And for anybody who's thinking, I want more, go for more go get it. Be like Dr. Dawn, like just go after it. And she's, you're, you're going to hear, she's living her best life, doing her thing. So now how much of a problem is this? Like when you say stop the hemorrhaging, is this like, like Band-Aid kind of stop? Or do we need to, you know what I mean? Do we need to bring all the things in? What what kind of bleeding is happening here? Yeah, no, we need to call the, the blood bank and let them know to put 20 units ready because this, this is bad. This is really, really bad. It was already bad before the pandemic. And when I actually got started with this calling um, was in 2017. So it was prior to even Me Too. And the movement got started at my institution when I did the thing of putting the, the key players in the room. And so I took the sweet pediatrician who was happy as a clam and the angry surgeon and the burnt out pathologist and about five <laughs> others in between. We sat around a table and said, we just need to get together, ladies. We need to empower each other. We need to elevate our voice. We need to show each other that we can mentor each other. We already have the skills. We don't need the title. We are already leaders. We just don't know it yet. And um, it just happened to actually occur the month of Me Too. And so when it occurred, it was already emotion. And so so I was able to show the data from having 120 women take off work, leave their families just to get together for eight hours to bond, to share stories, to cry, to learn new skills. And for the leaders of my institution to go, oh my gosh, these are the future leaders, but we thought you were busy raising babies. My bad. Let's go ahead and, and institute more women into leadership positions. Then we wrote a grant, got $150,000. We got to show the evidence-based movement of with the Maslach Burnout Index and the area of work-life inventory, we were able to show with data that we stopped burnout, improved retention, and improved engagement. And that gets the attention of the big people. So the Physicians Foundation funded the initial study, and uh, now we're keep doing the work. So it 
has been so much fun to do, but it takes just, let's just do it, ladies. Let's just get out there and do it. And as Dr. Una always says, it's progress over perfection. Was it perfect the first time? No, but it was pretty darn good. And we just built off of it. Wow. That is so wild. Because not only did you do it, I mean, there's there's the data to support it. There's inter- institutions acknowledging it. And for you, I mean, like, what kind of validation is that, right? Because sometimes you get an idea, it's kind of like, it's an idea. You're in love with your idea. Everybody else thinks you're crazy. But when you have evidence, it's like rocket fuel. And you're like, boom, let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was no stopping it. Yeah. So, so now I want to dig into your brain because, you know, I love talking to people like you. So when you think about what you're going to do, you're going to stop this hemorrhaging. At the end, what does that look like? Like, what would you have accomplished? Because I know you thought about it. Oh, absolutely. No, I would, I would love to see women leaders in medicine programs at every institution who cares about their women and wants them to stop leaving. I want that to be normal. You know, just like diversity, equity, and inclusion programs are everywhere. If you care about diversity, you have a program for that. You have funding for that. You have a line item for that. It isn't a second thought of, oh gosh, should we think about that this year? Oh yes, it is breast cancer awareness month. Let's do something for the ladies. I mean, no, it needs to be, this is the way we do medicine. We know the evidence that women physicians have better outcomes. If you go to the ED with a heart attack and you're treated by a female physician or a physician who works with more females, your outcome for your female patients is better. We know about the Medicare data from admissions. We know about the surgical risk outcomes. We know about the complications and compliance with chronic disease management. The institutions do better when more of us women stay in healthcare. And so the business case is there and we need to unify ourselves to start more of these programs and normalize having these programs. But we're too busy raising babies and packing lunches and organizing the summer camps. So we haven't taken the time to do it, but we absolutely have to do it. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Now I would usually get to this later on, but I, you know, I feel this is a great place to pull this out. Now, this is something that's so much bigger than you. Just like what I'm doing is something that's so much bigger than me. And, you know, so, so someone is listening and they're like, that is so overwhelming. Like, I cannot even imagine how she's doing that, but they may not be able to lead that, but they may be able to support you to do what you do. So for us who are listening to you and who are like, that is so amazing. And you should do that. How can we support So many different ways, just normalizing the conversations, you know, just this week, there were conversations about females in specialties like myself, like in gastroenterology, pulmonary surgery, anesthesia that are underrepresented, how we have to work so much harder just to get our orders to be taken by nurses, just to get respect from nurses. And so if it's just those of us that are sharing our experience, it looks like we're whining or complaining. That's not at all what we're doing. We're just lighting a light, a flashlight on some key problems that are going on now. So if we're retweeting these articles, if we're discussing them on our Facebook, if we're normalizing these conversations, if we're pointing out to each other, hey, just because she's wearing scrubs doesn't mean she's a nurse. She could be the chief of surgery. You know, all things are possible in the world these days. And um, amplifying, normalizing those types of discussions that are hard and make people uncomfortable, but getting it to the point where, yeah, you know what, that's a bummer that things are that way right now. But the more we talk about it, the more we can change it. And the more a female walks in the room wearing scrubs and you go, oh, are you a doctor or what other role do you play in the hospital or in the clinic? And just assume the highest level instead of assuming the lowest level would be amazing. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. 
This episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast is sponsored by the EntreMD Business School. We didn't get any business education during our medical training, and this school fixes that. It is the only school of its kind that helps physicians become thriving entrepreneurs who make money, have impact, and have time for the things that matter. You will get the coaching, accountability, and community you need to be successful. To find out more and to save your spot, go to EntreMDBusinessSchool.com. And now for the rest of the episode. And educating your family about that, educating everybody at church and your communities of what is your experience as a female physician and how can we amplify it? And especially all the men that are listening, you are our biggest allies. If you can stand up to each other and go, hey, how about you not call her Sharon? How about you call her Dr. Smith? Just like you just called Fred, Dr. Cooley, and you didn't call him Fred. Can we all do that? Can we all have respect? So making it so it's not intimidating, but normalizing these conversations so that we're all improving in the entire house of men medicine is becoming stronger is huge. And then if you want a blueprint, because I don't want people to have to recreate the wheel. So I literally wrote out a 26 page document of how to create women in medicine programs at your institution. And you can find that on my website. And then I've also written articles in Kevin MD of how to fund your own program. So again, you don't have to figure this all out. Just be there for each other, have more conversations, and you're going to problem solve and figure out great solutions for your micro environment, wherever that may be because this is not one size fits all by any means i told you guys <laughs> we're ready now someone's listening and she's like okay well i am that mom who's having babies changing diapers you know getting people ready kids ready for camp and all of that stuff i don't even feel like i have the bandwidth to do one more thing what do you say and, and i say that because that's probably you too because you're a mom right and all of that stuff so and i'm a mom i have four kids and I'm homeschooling the, the older two, right? Like, so, so what do you say to that person who actually can't see how she can possibly be involved in anything like this? Because like, I don't have the bandwidth for it. Right. Right now she's listening to this podcast. That is a huge step. Congratulations. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So continuing to just during those drives to school, during the time you're changing the diapers, put it on double speed because you only have half the time when you are taking a walk with the kids, filling up your brain with all this good information, all the empowerment that is going on. And if you can take a weekend away or even a night away, there's so many women physician empowerment conferences, virtual events, evening events, coffee talks that are going on and let it fill your cup because this is a marathon. This will still be a problem in five years. I promise it's not going away. (laughs) And so it'll still be a problem in 10 years. And by then you'll know where your niche is and where you want to fit in. If you do want to fit in, in a bigger way, but in the meantime, don't feel bad that you're not leading any of this, just support those that are and continue to learn and continue to fill your own cup so that you aren't part of the hemorrhage so that you stay, if you want to stay, or you go if, and when you want to go on your firms to where you want to be. So continue to be around other strong women that are admitting this is tough. This is hard. Sometimes it's just plain stinks and it's okay. It's not supposed to be perfect. And if we're all supporting each other, letting each other be human, then we can do amazing, powerful things that are bigger and better than we could have hoped for or imagined, honestly. So mind blowing. Okay. Now 
So I was listening to you and it's like, wow, she's like a total boss. Like, you know, she was born this way and she's the assertive person who can do that. And so I want you to take me, because you started this, right? You talked about, you know, Christmas break last year and you're like, you know, that's when I was like, get an LLC and all this, you know, join the Entree MD Business School. Now, you made that transition from that person to this person. And someone is where you were last year. What do you have to tell them? Because maybe they're like, I want to do something, but I'm not the kind of person who can do that. Or I'm too afraid. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. What would we tell that person? Right, right, right. There is no kind of person that does this. This is just any person who wants to improve the world. And if you want to improve the world, you will. And it's one baby step at a time. And you don't even have to do a baby step every day. If you take a baby step and then do nothing for six weeks, but survive and keep your kids hydrated and fed, (laughs) you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. Because even just having that wish, that desire, and then you're going to start talking to others about it. And that seed is going to plant and that seed is going to slowly grow, but it may not pop up above the surface immediately. And that's okay. Give yourself grace. Again, you've got your whole career, your whole lifetime to do this, even in retirement. You could say, well, now I'm ready to to push it and change things. Great. Whatever works for you. So there is no timeline. There is no trajectory. For me, it worked out because my two oldest are not in the house anymore. I only have one child in the house and I changed jobs. I changed jobs. So I had a lot more freedom. And so now I dedicate one day a week to just my side business and just working on this. So that was not always a luxury for me. That was not an option for me before I made a conscious decision I'm done and I'm really going to put all my eggs in this basket and do it. So I have one foot in both places. I'm still doing full clinical work, but I'm also doing this. But that's what worked for me at the trajectory of my life. And five years ago, no way would that have been an option. So I was just doing the best I could at my institution. You'll always find a way to serve. You'll always find a way to connect. You'll always find a way to amplify others. So just look for those opportunities, grab a hold of them, and then just slow movements in the direction you want. But have a vision. Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? If you have no vision, well, then you'll end up there, which is nowhere. But if you have a vision, then just make small baby moves for that place that you want to end up at. And you'll, you'll be there. Uh, Believe it or not, you will get there. So good. She hit everything like so good. There's no kind of person. You're the person. You're the person. There's no kind of person, baby steps. And the baby steps don't even need to be every day. And so what that means is you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. They're running their race. You're running your lane. Like everybody's in their lane, but we're in community, but we're not, we're not racing each other. We're just, we just have tracks (laughs) close to each other, but we're not, we're not racing each other. And you just have a vision and keep that in front of you. And that's so beautiful. So now you had the time when you were just where you did all clinical mm-hmm. and you have this time where you have your clinical stuff and you have this mission. So I'm curious now, what is the difference in your outlook on life in general now <laughs> that you have, you know what I mean? You have this other thing going. I'm, I'm curious. So Gosh, curious. it's amazing. It's everything's different. Medicine is great. I love medicine. I love my patients. I love teaching. I love my med school, med students, my residents, my fellows. I love all that. But being able to impact in a bigger way. And then, you know, I can talk about hep C all day long and don't get me started on high fructose corn syrup and the microbiome because I'll, I'll nerd out <laughs> on you all day long. But when you start talking to me about empowering each other to meet our goal and our destiny and what I do with coaching and giving women permission to live the life of their dreams and interacting with women that are like, I'm done. I'm not going to be chief in nephrology anymore. I'm going to quit. And I'm going to go work at the animal shelter. I'm like, that's an option. Are there any other 
other options. And then by the <laughs> end of the conversation, having them on fire going, I don't need to take that 7.30 a.m. patient. I don't need to be on call every other weekend. I'm like, darn straight, you don't, girl. Let's empower you to take control because you have much more control than what you think you have. Because as you start at the beginning of the conversation, we are domesticated. We are told you're supposed to do this and this and this and this. Don't rock the boat. Don't you know, raise your hand too high. Don't, don't make a fuss. But when you actually teach each other, it's okay to make a fuss, to do the right thing for yourself, for your patients, for your teams, you make the world a better place. But sometimes we need a permission to do that. And me being able to do that gets me on fire because that's unstoppable. I'll be able to do that till the day I die. And I hope I do till the day I die. That's my passion. I want to help other people live to their full potential, whether I'm talking to somebody about high fructose corn syrup or alcohol or whatever, but especially if I'm talking about their career and their life and finding that balance, that is so much fun for me right now, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So I'm looking at her. You guys are hearing us, right? You can just see the glow like, yay. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to do it till I die. Fun. Yes. And to be honest with you, I asked that question because that's the way I feel about what I do with EntreMD and with Doctors Changing Medicine. And that's why I feel like entrepreneurship is the answer for burnout. Because I mean, like the other things, don't get me wrong, but this is a huge piece of it because it gives you this fresh lease on life. It's like, I finally found why I'm alive. You know, it's so amazing. And if for some reason you're in a business, that's not the business you do till you die. Like, you know, I was my first business was a private practice and I love that and all of that, but there was still more. I was like, I know I have this big impact outside of the exam room and all that. But I hit EntreMD. It's like, I have never worked in EntreMD. Like, I'm just living my best life, helping people find theirs is, you know, because I feel you hundred percent. I know you do. I know it's contagious. and ugh. It's like so good. And people are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> Come to the bright side. All right. So where do people find you? Right. Because people are like, oh, wait, I want to support. I want to follow yeah. her. I want to retweet tweet her stuff and all of that. Yeah, on Twitter is where I started with my name, Gut Girl MD. My boss made me uh, come up with a Twitter uh, back in 17, maybe 16. Anyway, so that's, you can definitely find me on Twitter and I'm tweeting about GI stuff, but probably 70% is about women in medicine. And that was unintentional too. So just to let you know what you think you're going to do, what you end up doing can be completely different. So my charge when I started Twitter was to educate the public about GI illness. The public didn't care about GI illness. They just want, everybody wanted to know how this woman leader, a division director of gastroenterology, a female at only 7% female division directors in gastroenterology, how did I do it? And what am I going to do next? So it was interesting. So it became a women in medicine thing, but you can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, just my name, Dawn Sears MD. And then you can find my website, gutgirlmdconsulting.com and drdawnsears.com uh, as well. And then, uh, of course, I've got my YouTube channel that Dr. Una made me do and Entree MD. And, and then you can also just, just find me on Facebook. So I'm there as Gut Girl MD as well as Dawn Sears MD. Love it. All right, people. So one of the things that you can do, and it's something that I do, and that's why I have all these amazing guests come here to amplify what they're doing. You can amplify someone else. If you're wondering like, this is so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. Find the people who are doing the thing and amplify what they're doing, support where they're doing. We'll do two things for you. One is that that's a baby step. So it puts you in the game. And second of all, it's a beautiful seed that when you start to do whatever it is you're supposed to do, you're going to have people who are going to show up like without you asking to amplify you as well. The, the world just goes in circles. So I talk about this podcast being a movement. I'm like, this is not a podcast. This is 
is a movement. It's a movement of change in medicine. There are a million of us. If we don't like the hand we're dealt, we can change it. We are not stuck. We're not victims. We can change stuff. And so I always tell them, you have to share this episode. Like, don't just listen to it and walk away. We want you to be a contagious part of the movement. So what would you tell our listeners today is the reason why they 100% absolutely have to share this episode. Right now, we need hope. We need to know that the world will not stay where it is now. And if we are all moving to improve the world, make it a better place. And if each person you share it with makes one degree difference to improve healthcare for ourselves, for our daughters, for our sons, then you are making a massive impact. So please share it. Please encourage others, give them hope that we can change the world and we are changing the world. And this is Doctors Changing Medicine for real. It is so amazing. I love it. I love you. I love your mission, everything you're doing. When I saw Stop Hemorrhaging, I said, what, 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 what? Yes, yes. Let's talk about that. Like what? What in the world? This is so good. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing. And, you know, thank you for what you do. This is so important. I don't have what it takes to change everything. You don't have what it takes to change everything, but together we can change it like 100%. So thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Inu, for being a part of putting me on the right trajectory and encouraging me and letting me know I was on the right path. You were a huge part of my successes and my journey, and you are so wise and you contribute so much to so many women physicians that are changing the world and men too. We got some good beds in the, in the group too. So thank you for all that you do and for pouring into us completely. Thank you. And don't be trying to make me cry. I don't sound good when I cry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're good. I'm just, you're good. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I appreciate you saying that. And I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what the next 12 months brings, but we're, we're in for a ride and I'm, I'm excited for it. So this will be so good. Yes. All right, people. You heard her. Go share the episode. Go take those baby steps. Go follow her and amplify what she's doing. And I will see you on the next episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now, this is too good for you to keep to yourself. So I want you to do three things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Number two, share this episode with all the doctors in your life. Number three, share it on social media. Until next time, remember, you are a huge part of a movement changing medicine one podcast episode at a time.